the vibes. They are good right now at Rogers Arena. Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw. Canucks Mailbag is coming up. We're here in the mobile Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Still some time to uh, get in on the Canucks Autism Network Pro-Am silent auction. Help support CAN by bidding on signed memorabilia, Canucks tickets, local getaways, spa and golf experiences, and more. The Canucks Autism Network provides valuable programs and services for children, youth, and adults on the autism spectrum. Auction closes on October 30th. For more information on the auction and event info, visit canproam.ca. Uh, Canucks and St. Louis Blues are coming up tonight. But coming up right now, your questions. It's the mailbag. Here on Canuck Central. At Satyar Shah prompts you for your questions every Friday on Twitter. You provide, and we do our best to answer. We shall answer your queries if we have the answers. Uh, Producer Josh Elliott Wolf. Got a lot of queries. We do. Here at Rogers Arena with the Q Zip. <laughs> yes. Uh, quarter Zip is uh, it's it's a veteran play. It's a it's my go to when when we're here. Yeah. It's just comfy and warm. Comfy, yeah. warm. Q-Zip always looks classy. I might. I should probably invest more because I just got one Q-Zip and I just save it for whenever we're yeah. here. But Sat's not a Q-Zip guy. No, I'm not really a Q-Zip no, guy. I not saw, this, not I saw him looking at it and he was like, I don't like <laughs> that. I don't know. I'm not saying – I mean, it's, it looks good on you. I'm not hating. It's just, it wouldn't be. It's just not me. It wouldn't be me. I wear it's my got, parka. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be you. Fair enough. It's got to uh, be me. You got to be true to yourself. That's it. Okay, so we'll start with this one from Corbin. If – big if. If, Okay. The Canucks can pull off two wins on this back-to-back. Does oh. it mean they are back, or are they just riding out the honeymoon? We're so back if that happens. No, <laughs> I mean it's it's. I mean I don't want to do the it's so early thing. It, listen, there are a lot of takes being you know made right and had right now about a number of different teams around the league. And usually when you revisit a lot of those takes two months from now, they look really different. Yeah. So even if the, you win two more games, I don't think that's the barometer. It's more about like how you play, mm-hmm. right, and how you get to where you get to. But obviously, if you win the next two games, like I don't think there's any stopping the hype train. Yeah. You know, like if all of a sudden you come out of the weekend being six and two, yeah. Like you're not getting in the way of that. That, that momentum is going to be unstoppable. Uh, if they win both games, I'm going to borrow a term from uh, Elliot Friedman. We might have 11 billion people listening to the uh, post-game show after Saturday night's win. Reality is, uh, whether they win both of these games or they lose both of these games, it won't uh, drastically change or hurt their chances uh, for the rest of the season. Like, Just think about the Edmonton Oilers and how poorly they've started this season. Now, I think they started the year with an 86% chance of making the playoffs per statistical models. Yeah. And they dropped to 71%. Yeah, because, I mean, that's the amount of talent they have on the roster, right? right? Now, if Vancouver got off to that start, their playoff odds <laughs> probably shrink dramatically, right? <laughs> so I would say this, that if if they win the next two and they're 6-2 and two in their first eight, yeah. then they're most likely going to have 24 to 26 points at least after the first 20 games. And that's huge. And if you have that, like it's gonna, like you're, you're gonna have to really have the roof cave in for you not to be a playoff team. It's uh, like I keep saying, 25 points in 20 games doesn't seem like a ton. Doesn't seem like you're greatly over 500. It's like a 103 point pace. And, and what's gonna happen is you're gonna be one of those teams that's gonna be, you know, more than a few points above the playoff bar. And the stat for those teams at American Thanksgiving to make the playoffs is like 
in the 90%. Yeah. So it doesn't guarantee it, but yes, if you're you know if you're able to pick up your sixth win in eight games, I mean it, it probably expedites you getting there. Well, if you were to think about the game in, in ten, uh, think about the season in ten game segments, you know you want to be grabbing six out of. Uh, you know, or 12 out of every 20 points mm -hmm. or six out of every 10 points. However you want to use the math to your advantage, you know, trying to uh, shrink the um, – like it feels big to be like, ah, we need 100 points to make the playoffs. But if you think of it differently, it may not seem as big. The key point is just keep winning. Just win, baby, like just Al Davis would say. win, baby. Uh, next one from Justin and East Van. Should the Canucks have started DeSmith and then Demko in this back-to-back? -back? Because they're doing a Demko tonight and DeSmith tomorrow. So we're seeing a lot more teams do this where the starter plays on the second night. In theory, like, hey, that's the night we're going to be giving up more chances. Why wouldn't that be the night that we play our more talented mm -hmm. netminder, the guy we trust more? But I think you have to look at every two-game sample in its own context. And, look, if, if the Canucks are going to – like, which game do they have more of a chance of winning? Well, yeah, it's that. And, and it's clear they're prioritizing the uh, conference games. Yes. Like, th this is a team that you could be fighting for a wild-card spot with. Right. It's an in-conference game versus an out-of-conference opponent. So I think that plays a part into it. Very well could. It's a good point. And, but in general, my thought is, like, try and secure your two points against St. Louis because you know it's going to be a battle against New York, who's already in Vancouver. Who knows what they're doing tonight? Maybe they have Roxy Fever tomorrow. I don't know. But <laughs> you never know. It's, uh, it's the tougher of the two games to win. It is, right? And, however, it depends on, like, your level of ambition and also your level of confidence. Because it's easy to say, it's like, oh, yeah, just save your starter for the next game. But what if the backup has a tough game? Then your team is tired. Now you're sitting there going, like, are we going to lose both games now? Yeah. And not that, you know, it should just come down to the goaltending. So I think that's part of it. But generally, like, I like the idea of saving your starter for the second game. Mm -hmm. And especially when it's, it's a small sample. But Casey the Smith has faced the New York Rangers eight times in his career. And he's um, and he has a 346 goals against average. And 879 save percentage against yeah. the Rangers, right? Now, Thatcher Demko's only faced him twice, but in those games, he has a 931 save percentage and 198 goals against average. Now, small sample only, but when I looked at this and I looked at it ahead of the game, I was like, oh, I'd like to see Demko play against the Rangers and Casey DeSmith tonight, but maybe the coach isn't quite there yet in terms of his confidence that they can, you know, fully take the two points without their starter tonight. This is, uh, it, it, it plays. It sets up to be a much easier game against the St. Louis Blues, yeah. especially for the goaltender. Uh, we talked about the Canucks not generating a ton. Both of these teams have struggled to generate scoring chances. So of the two teams that could be higher powered offensively, it's obvious it's backed up by the numbers significantly. The New York Rangers are the more dangerous offense for the Vancouver Canucks to deal with. Next one from Magister Danielson. Um, if not for Ethan Bear, what D-man would you try to add, and what would you be willing to give up for it? Picks? Question mark. Picks or prospects or? Well, the the thing about right shot defensemen, they don't come around often. 
the best one we've talked about that is going to potentially be available as an unrestricted free agent around deadline time is Brett Pesha. Now, there is no guarantees, and it may actually be uh, less likely that Brett Pesha becomes available because the Carolina Hurricanes, they did it with Dougie Hamilton. Why wouldn't they do it with Doug, uh, Brett Pesha if they feel like this is going to help them win a Stanley Cup? They seem to be a team that's okay with not putting that player on the trade market. So what's your best bet? I mean, Ethan Bear is going to be the most cost-effective bet and one you know can fit somewhat into your group already. Uh, so I, I do quite like that bet, Sat. Um, I would be willing to give up a first-round pick for somebody with term again. It's just hard to know who that player is, much like Philip Ronick came out of nowhere last year around deadline time. Which player is going to be available as a right-shot defenseman come this deadline? I'm not sure yet. Yeah, I, the one guy I, I look at is a Brandon Carlo. You know, and again, I don't know if a first-round pick, because if you look at Carlo, too, with his usage, like, you know, Boston's playing really well. He's a righty defenseman. He's physical. He's good defensively, um, and he's good on the PK. But he's he's playing 1939 this year, and he's generally playing in that range, right? Yeah. And is he a guy that you could pry away from them? Otherwise, there aren't a ton of guys, honestly. Like, it's outside of rentals or getting stop gaps. There isn't a lot out there right now. Like, you know, Tyson Berry doesn't really work um, for the Canucks. A guy who could be a right-shot defenseman that comes available. Matt Dumba. Arizona's off to a pretty decent start. We'll see what happens there. Uh, would Matt Dumba be somebody you might be interested in as a rental come deadline time? There's potential for that. Nikita Zaitsev, no thank you. John Klingberg, no thank you. So there's not really a ton of guys. Uh, maybe a Dylan DeMello type as a rental, but I don't know how much I'd really be interested in a rental at all for the Vancouver Canucks. It really will depend on the context of the season come February and just how good they may or may not seem. Yeah, I'm not into the rental thing at all. Yeah, I, I like they just don't seem like a team that's no should be paying a big price for a rental right now. I think it's one of those things where they may be looking to do bigger things if they can. If not, you get through the year and do a lot of the work in the offseason. Austin and Langley, Pinto got a 41-game suspension for sports betting, and his cap hit is not affecting the Senators at all. Should the Canucks send video to the league of Myers gambles <laughs> in his own end? <laughs> How many bets has he ruined? Uh, jokes per 60. That's very, good. Very I like it. On that one. That's good. Uh, Shane Pinto doesn't have a, a, a cap hit right now. Yeah. He's, exactly. uh, he's a restricted free agent. So It was a contract dispute yeah. yes, that it seemed uh, to be for a while. So the, the, the suspension doesn't really change much at all. Uh, the only thing, uh, it, it might, you know, depending on how they structure the contract, it might make it more difficult for Ottawa to fit him in come February, uh, you know, because signing bonuses get prorated differently. If you remember when uh, William Nylander signed for the Maple Leafs uh, all those years ago, his previous contract, which is now about to expire, you know, he had a big signing bonus when he signed it uh, right before the December 1st deadline. And because of that, his cap hit for the rest of that season was like 10 million bucks or something. So uh, the, the way the cap works is unless it's all salary, uh, the cap charge could look a lot different, could look a lot more expensive than uh, what it might be regularly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. All right. Next. Next one is from uh, Roxy Feeder. 
Should a billion dollar franchise rely on outside journalists, bloggers, and podcasters for its scouting <laughs> of its own prospects? Uh, I saw Gearsy, K- Chris Gear, take it on the chin today for yeah. saying that uh, when he was part of management, that uh, they would oftentimes refer to Chris Faber's tweets and video of prospects that they, they would, he would sometimes find things and outperform what their scouts would have available to them. Now, he went on to explain it that, you know, this is very common in NHL circles and it's something that you do see and, you know, you should always keep your eyes open for stuff outside of your organization to keep tabs on your prospects and players. And I think what it does show is the reality that there isn't, there aren't as many scouts and it isn't quite as intricate as people may think on the outside sometimes yes. when it comes to these networks, the scouting networks, and, and what goes into them and how much work gets done. And I'm not saying people are lazy or anything, but the resources aren't infinite. Yeah. So oftentimes, there's only so many resources you have. And it's not like a lot of these scouts get paid a ton of money. Yeah. Often they have other jobs as well. You know. So it's, it's a very imperfect science. And I think it's also something that it's not quite as fortified as you would imagine on the outside when you see it. But I can see why people saw that. And they're like, what the hell? Because your expectation is you guys should be on top of it. Like, yeah. aren't you guys, don't you guys have video of every single game your prospects play? And the answer is no, right? Yeah. But, like, shouldn't it be? Mm-hmm. Like, I agree that, and, and again, it's not, you know, I think he took it on the chin because it's a league-wide thing generally. Now, yes. I think there are teams that are ahead, of course, and, and have done it. But I think it goes to show that there are gaps and the resources for these sort of things aren't as uh, robust as one might imagine. Yeah. Where'd you find video of Vasily Podkolzin <laughs> playing in the MHL? <laughs> like what happened? <laughs> There's no subscription thing for it, right? Uh, like, it's no. like how are you going to find it? it it's, uh, it's totally understandable, but... It's it, never... I get, like, why optically it's kind of like... Yeah. What? I'm sorry? I, I will say this. Um, so, my one obsession of video games is Football Manager. And... You take over a soccer team and you pretend to be the guy that is the general manager, essentially. You buy the players, sell the players, you scout youth products, scout people around the world, all these things. And when I first started playing it, I was uh, 14, 15, and, you know, I, I was amazed at this game because, you know, I would learn about Aryan Robin before he became anything. Like, he was 16 years old playing for some small team in, in Holland. And this game knew that this guy was the next big thing, and I had no idea who he was. So it was it was stuff like that that really drew <laughs> yeah. me to the game. And what they did, what the developers of the game did, they they just would like solicit people to do their own scouting reports mm-hmm. and be like, send them into us, and we'll we'll use them for the game. And so it worked for some great young players. It also didn't have always the greatest hit rate because you get some random on a Brazilian team was like. How is this guy good? Nobody's ever heard of him. Yeah, like, but it was just like yeah. some super fan of the team that would, you know, right, be the course. scout for football manager. <laughs> right. And this guy know, has a high rating. This guy's amazing. But at the know? same time, at the end of the day, it's a game, right? Yeah. So it's like you're still mining value, right? Um, you're mining value. And it would be like, you know, Canucks, like the people who love Nikolai Goldobin being like, this guy's going to be great. And didn't really turn out. Um <laughs> Great for the KHL, though. Um, (laughs) Fantastic KHL player. He's like the Cam Barker of forwards. But more recently, some teams have actually started using Football Manager's database for their own scouting purposes, like in real life, because this this game has actually built out a very credible scouting network. But it tells you, or it sort of – when you were explaining some of the things about how – 
teams around the NHL do scouting, it reminded me of this because <laughs> you think all these like major professional clubs yeah. or teams have these like vast scouting networks. They th pour all of their money into it, and you know, it's and they drive up in these bins, yeah, and they just stay in these like, fancy hotels it, while traveling, and it's really like you know, nickel and dime yeah, <laughs> their way you, through sleeping in like, crappy motels, you know. <laughs> Professional teams do have budgets too, right? And they've got to work under those budgets. And sometimes, you know, what what we might think on the outside of how glamorous it might be, the way that they go about scouting, isn't quite it. No, but but I do I do think, and we'll we will end it here. I know Josh is itching to ask another question. Get here. other questions. Yeah, in. but I do think it's for as much as the NHL is spending resources on stuff. I think there is a far way they can, they can go a bit farther here, especially with how they develop and yeah. scout than what they've done so far. This one from PC. Will the Calgary Flames be sellers by December? Looks that way. I uh, uh, By December? I, I don't like to sell out on teams uh, eight games into the season or however many games. The uh, the Flames are eight games in, yeah. Uh, the, the Flames are in, but it looks tragic there right yeah now. i think for rentals guys I, I don't think they have a choice but to wait until the new year yeah. unless somebody gets desperate right and somebody let's say you know a team loses a defenseman yeah that's a, that's a contender for the rest of the year and it's like okay, let's go and get chris tanov or something like maybe that would would expedite it but outside of that i just think they have to wait like nobody yeah. has cap space and you want to have as many suitors as possible you want to drive the pi price up and the closer to deadline you get, the higher the prices are. So if that team is going to be a seller, quote-unquote, they have to wait, wait for the right time to move their guys, and that may still take some. It's, it's boring. I hate it. Yeah. But it's, it's the reality of the league. Nobody has cap space. Uh, nobody's got cap space. Teams uh, tend to wait until January, until around the All-Star break, to really have a good assessment of what they want to do and how much they're willing to spend to add to their team, those types of things. So, yeah, it's going to take some time to, to actually sell off some of those players. But... Of any team that's off to a slow start, I think Calgary is the most in bleep because I didn't have a ton of belief in them, even though I did have them as a playoff pick in our preseason predictions. It was more a bubble thing than anything else. And this is a team that's showing a level of toxicity that I don't think is healthy as the season goes on. And their best players, Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberdo, are probably chief among the culprits of players that are off to a slow start and not living up to their ends of the bargain. It sort of feels like they got their paychecks and they're happy with where they're headed right now. And that's not a good sign. Calgary definitely has to show a lot. But for me, if I'm predicting it right now, yeah, they will be more seller than buyer come deadline time. This one from uh, Miles. Who's more talented, Quinn or Jack? Oh, that's a good one. It's a very talented family. I'll yeah, say very much. talented family. I mean, Jack is the is the bigger offensive powerhouse, right? He's so good. 17 <laughs> points in like seven or eight games. He's incredible. He's incredible. Played. Yeah. Sat was also right about the Devils and how terrible they'd be defensively. <laughs> we'll see. It's early in the season. I was also wrong about the Capitals. It looks like. <laughs> so let's 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 not let's not let's pump the brakes. I was trying on to credit. give you a, a compliment. I'm trying <laughs> to pat this guy on the back. He's like, no, I was so I was totally wrong. Oh, the Capitals. Uh, well, it's early in the season. My, my, it's early in the year, and I think for the Devils, they could get better defensively. It's just, yeah. I, I wasn't sold on them just all of a sudden stepping onto the ice with this defense, new look defense, and being fine. Like it, it's not that simple. Usually there's growing pains. And Luke Hughes, you can tell with a bigger role, he he's struggling at times. And, and he might just all of a sudden turn the corner quickly, and that's going to boost it up. I want to say Quinn, but is it Jack? 
Doug, would the argument for Quinn be that he's a defenseman and yeah. the defensive skill level that he has is higher than Jack's? Because when it comes to just clear, pure skill and offensive ability, it's Jack. Yeah. It's so hard, like, picking at straws here with, with the two players. And they're actually, like, size-wise, you know, Jack is also a small player. Yeah. Relies on his shiftiness and quickness uh, to create space for himself. Uh, it's... He's kind of like, you know, centerman version of Quinn. Yeah. <laughs> in a lot of ways. They're very, like, stylistically, they, they seem like similar players in some ways, but Jack's offensive skill, his goal-scoring ability is just uh, through the roof. And the way that he started this season, I mean, looks like a guy who could score 120 points in this league or something close to it, the way the, the Devils are going right now. It's, it's hard to argue that Quinn is the more offensive talent, and Jack is a pretty good defensive forward in his own right. Uh, but I'm just going to go with the Vancouver guy because he's the Vancouver guy. Mm -hmm. uh, so, Quinn. I'm going to say Jack's more talented, but I think Quinn is more valuable. Oh, there we go. That's tricky, a nice hedge. Tricky. Tricky hedge. Make everybody happy. Though Jack might win the heart this year. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Jack at 8x8 eight eight is... I guess when you factor in contract, Jack's more is valuable. Is maybe like the most insanely valuable. Con it's it's going to look like the Nathan McKinnon contract did. Yeah, the Colorado Avalanche. I mean, Quinn's is good too, seven eight five. Yeah, but he has four more years left versus yeah. Jack has what seven year seven year years left yeah. after this. He's in the second year. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. crazy. <laughs> uh, this one basketball fail. Do you think the Browns have a have a chance in Seattle against the Hawks in their awesome retro jerseys? Oh yeah, I think the Browns have a chance. Are you factoring in the jerseys? <laughs> <laughs> they do have a chance. I love the jerseys. Uh, I mentioned this the bit because I was on with him. I think the Hawks will win because the Browns they have a Ooh. bunch of injuries now. Watson is not going to play. Um, it just might be tough. Yeah. But uh, I, they definitely have a chance. I feel like Miles Garrett is going to eat Geno Smith. He might. <laughs> he might. Just don't don't hit him with a helmet. That's yeah. all I ask you don't do. Yes, maybe don't do that, Miles. Um, so I uh, I made a decision on my uh, my in fantasy last night. I. I chose to start Gabe Davis over DK Metcalf. Ooh. Which sort of tells you how I feel about the Seahawks chances this week. Wow, why are you so down on the Hawks? I just uh, I think the Browns are uh, are a scary team with the way that, yeah. that their defense is playing. Their right defense now. is scary. But but the it, Hawks defense all of a sudden looks really good so too. The, the Hawks defense, uh, I don't like the Nuosu injury. That's that's gonna hurt them uh, as the year goes on, especially from a pass rush perspective, but the defense is looking pretty good. Yeah. You know, the way that the secondary is coming together now that you got Jamal Adams back and Reek Woolen came back from his injury. Witherspoon looks like an animal. Witherspoon is looking fantastic. It's uh, it's a scary defense. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, but uh, Browns eke it out. All right. I like it. I like it. Windsor, if you have to pick a new team to root for from any of the big four sports, which team would it be? Oh, as in, like, would I join another team? So, or like, like, or which team would to, I give up? Yeah, or? I assume you're like giving up on one of your teams and making another team in that league your favorite. Good. It kind of comes Good. down to like, what team are you Ooh. least diehard for? Okay, that you kind of have like an affinity towards another team. Okay, I don't know if I have any affinities for any other teams, but you, I mean, you can't cop out. You have to answer something. Right? Yeah. Big four sports, right? So yeah, I would say like I would ditch. If I had to ditch a team, I would ditch the Blue Jays for the Mariners. For the Mariners, Mariners aren't interesting enough. So the reason I would the reason I would do that is simply for proximity. 
Yeah. <laughs> and it's a lot easier to get to Seattle than it is to Toronto for okay, a game. Okay, I have an answer, actually. I would trade the Blue Jays in for the San Francisco Giants. I w I've always had a soft spot for the Giants. <sighs> yeah, eh? Yeah. I almost said the Padres as well, yeah. just because it's like San Diego. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, like, for, for the longest time, like, you know, you know, I was like, especially when the Jays suck, like, uh, uh, the Giants were like my NL team. I yeah. didn't feel guilty for liking the Giants because they were in the NL, so I'd watch their games. And uh, yes, I was a big Barry Bonds fan as well. So um, I, I feel like baseball would be uh, the easiest place to go for me. I've already made the switch in, in football. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you should just say, "Oh, it's the Seahawks for the Dolphins." It's fine. <laughs> um, as far as like, I just can't see myself liking another basketball team, really. Not that I'm a huge Raptors fan, but yeah, I will say if like if, if there's Seattle one got a team, you like would a jump. basketball team. I don't think I would jump, but I'd be like, <laughs> what oh. are you gonna do with all your Nuggets championship? No, 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 I, I'm not saying I would jump, <laughs> but that would be the that would be the out for a lot of people, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I would do. Uh, back. I think I would do Blue Jays for the Mariners. Yeah, if the Grizzlies came back, I would jump ship. Any like any team coming to Vancouver, I'm I'm out on whatever other team I'm a fan of. Totally fair. Uh, Kieran, would you rather be – we'll end with this one. Would, would you rather be a coach or a GM, and does it ch change depending on the sport? Coach or GM, I would 100% rather be a GM. Yeah, same. GM seems way more fun. I don't think I have the aura of a coach. No, I mean, listen, I, I, I am not by any means saying that I am qualified to be a general manager, but I think I'd be more qualified at being a GM than being a coach. Yeah. What uh? I, I or be I'd be less qualified. I, you know, like my qualifications would all be unqualified, <laughs> but I'd be less unqualified as a GM than I would be uh, as a coach. I think being a coach is like super difficult. I think the level of knowledge you have to have about how the game gets played yeah. on an intricate level and how you relate with people and being on top of things. I think it's one of the toughest jobs. Like I think being a coach is. It's not just about your acumen. It's how you handle people, and yeah. how you handle people is just. Spin a wheel, man. Like uh, it's it's a very very challenging thing. Being a good coach is very it's very difficult. Yeah, <laughs> because it, it involves a lot more than just game management. You are managing people as much as anything else. It, think about um, baseball. Like you you just had um, Dusty Baker and Bruce Bochy as the managers of the two teams in the ALCS. Those guys have been—they're ancient. They've yeah. been around forever. You know, baseball. How much has baseball changed since those guys first started managing teams? But it's the way that they know the game, the way that they manage their people, the way that they manage players and uh, garner respect from their players uh, that makes them so great. Plus, uh, as I mentioned earlier, with my love for football manager, Eastside hockey manager, love those games. Absolutely hated NFL coach. That game was the worst game. Of all that time. was a game. Yeah, was it you, just like you were coaching, you're <laughs> drawing up plays or whatever. Yeah, it was terrible. N wow. NFL coach was an awful, awful, awful game. I will say, if I had to, uh, like for most sports, I think I would pick GM. But baseball, I might pick like being a manager instead yeah. of being a GM because there's just like so many, so many guys you have to know in baseball. Like you're running three teams essentially, right? And I get they all have like their own kind of guy running it. Yeah, but it's a lot. Mm. Yeah. Uh, uh, how do you not know the NFL head coach game? I just, I'm, I'm surprised uh, I by this. I know Bill Cower was on the uh, on the cover. I think uh, Tony Dungy. Tony was on Dungy's the cover. been on the cover. Yeah, it's like the 
the they stopped making did. it pretty quick because it was so terrible. Yeah, that's probably why. <laughs> I don't, oh, it was like only for PC? Oh, no, I see. NFL head coach 09. Yeah. yeah. That sounds awful. Uh, Jeffro says, I had to trade in the Expos. I traded them in for the Mariners, and they're not boring. I mean, they are. Like, what What have the Mariners done? Well, like, outs- ever since, like, they've had Griffey, like, Griffey and A-Rod and Randy Johnson, right? They, that was they fun. were kind of fun last year. Kind then, of fun for like a year. And then this year they were incredibly frustrating until yeah. they got hot in July and August. Surely the Jays weren't incredibly frustrating. No. The Jays were horrible. I mean, it, there's no question about that. And I'm, I'm saying, though, in terms of jumping ship, if I'm jumping ship from a baseball team, like the Mariners, like the Mariners are because of proximity. Yeah. Like I don't think a casual baseball fan would be like, you know what, the team I want to go support is the Mariners. Like yeah. they're not interesting or they're not, they're not fun I mean, enough. Like they got Julio and like, I don't know, I think they're fun. Mm, not fun enough. You know, being a sports fan, if we're being honest about it, more often than not, you're angry about the team that you support. You hate watch it half the time. <laughs> That's more being a sports fan than actually enjoying whatever it is you're watching. Until they beat the San Francisco 49ers. And then, oh. you're, then you're pumped. That's <laughs> uh, Josh's Minnesota Vikings. That's why he's got his Kirk Cousins uh, jersey in the mail. Uh, all right, that's uh, enough for the mailbag today. We've uh, got some stuff lined up as we get you set for the Canucks and St. Louis Blues next on Sportsnet 650.